Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. I believe that revival is here and it's manifesting and it's going to only grow. And I think it's going to look different than every other generation. And it starts, but every revival throughout church history starts with prayer and repentance. And let's pray. Let's figure out how we can get Jesus to people and where they are. Deal? Deal, cool. So we are in the middle of a series. We've been in this series, get this, for eight weeks, and we're just now hitting chapter five. So I don't know if that tells you anything, but... I like to take my time walking through the Bible. And next week, the, ne- the last three weeks of this month, um, you guys will not want to miss it. Uh, my wife is going, um, the next two weeks, my wife is going to be kind of doing a, an, we're going to take a break from Hebrews, and we'll come back to it. Don't give me, no, we're not, we're not breaking up with Hebrews. But we're going to take a break from Hebrews, and, and Amy is going to be speaking on spiritual and physical health. And then the last Sunday, Keisha will be bringing the last part of the seminar on mental health. And we're going, we're going to be hitting this because it's a need in our, in our community. And also, you guys, you're not going to want to miss it. Um, I, I don't know if you guys know this, and, and I, I, I pick on Amy a lot because I love her. That's my love language. I know it's not one of the five love languages, but picking on people is a love language to me. And uh, But the Lord has just opened up doors for her to speak on this at a district level. And um, even this last week, she was asked to write a 10-page article on mental, physical, and spiritual health to pastors and the Lord has just anointed her for this. And invite your friends. Invite people. Because I believe that this is something that's so tangible. And, um, and she has a word for us. And I, I can't wait. Quite frankly, I can't wait just to sit and receive. You guys have to put up with me 90% of the year. And so I, I get so much joy when any of our staff preaches. Man, Pastor Nathan knows how to bring it. Amy knows how to bring it. Pastor Andy knows how to play the guitar. I'm, uh, he knows how to bring the word. And um, we are very blessed. With that said, I'm going to tell you some jokes. Because I, I know. I wrote these down, though, um, to make sure I didn't forget. So in the course of my lifetime, I have seen lettuce recalled a lot. How many of you guys have ever noticed there has been a... A lot of lettuce recalled. Know what I've never seen seen recalled in my life? Bacon. I'm just saying there might be there might be a reason. But doctors say that each piece of bacon you eat takes nine minutes off of your life. By that math, I should have died in 1757. <laughs> so, um, for all you. Um, married people out there, I want to give you a pro-marriage tip real quick. Last one, la- last thing I want to tell you. Pro-marriage tip. If your wife, husbands, if your wife 
through diet and exercise, loses six to 10 pounds over the course of five to six weeks, you are allowed to compliment her, and you should, and comment on her progress. But husbands, if you lose six to 10 pounds over the course of the next three to four days, you are not allowed to say a word. <clears throat> Just, yeah, all you singles are like, I don't get it. No, you will. <laughs> you will. You're, Amy gets so irritated at me because, like, I'll literally drop 10 pounds in, like, four days. And she's like, I hate you, but I love you. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. She's like, it's just water weight. You're actually not losing weight, Ryan. She doesn't call me names, but she does. Um, that's why I wear long sleeves a lot of the times. I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just, stop it, Ryan. Just preach the word. Get out. Okay, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Today, we're going to be looking at the same set of scriptures we looked at last week, but we're going, to look, we're going to tackle it a different way, and then we're going to look at Matthew 17. So if you, if you open up to Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to hit 14 through 16, and then the first 10 verses of Hebrews chapter 5. And, and the reason why I, I wanted to pe- uh, keep these together is because it's one narrative right here. It's, it's one thing. He's talking about Jesus being our high priest. And so last week, um, we, we, we tackled this idea of holding firmly to God and coming boldly to the throne of God. And, and today, what I want to hit, I want to hit some thoughts is, if you're taking notes, we're going to hit these a little bit later, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you. The title of my message today is Jesus Gets Us. Like, he gets, he gets what you're going through. He gets you. He, and, and so my, my three thoughts for that is Jesus gets our weakness. Jesus gets our prayers. And Jesus gets our suffering. He understands it. So let's look at Hebrews Let's throw it up there. It says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands he gets our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Praise God. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. And, is a, and he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. That is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as theirs. And now the author is talking about a, a, a human high priest where Jesus, he didn't have to offer sacrifices for his own sins, but he was, not only is he our high priest, he's also the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So 
Um, he was a sacrifice for our sin. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He must be called by God for this work, just as Aaron was. That is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming. You know what happens when you assume. Jesus didn't assume, so don't assume. He could become a high priest. No, he was chosen by God who said to him, You are my son, today I have become your father. And in another passage, God said to him, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings. I want, I want us to see this. When Jesus was on earth, he had a physical body. He was 100% man, 100% God. But while he was on earth, he did nothing as God. He did everything as man, led by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was the only person who ever walked this earth that was 100% obedient to the Holy Spirit. With that said, how did he learn the Holy Spirit? How did he have communication through the Holy Spirit? How did he know where the Holy Spirit was leading him? Prayers and pleadings. If the Son of God had to make time to labor in prayer and plead, maybe, just maybe, that should tell us something about our walk with God. That we need to make time to prayer, to pray and plead. It says, even with a loud cry and tears, like, have you guys ever prayed like that? With loud cries and tears? You're not alone. Jesus did too. To the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. And we, we kind of meditated on this a little bit last week, but I want you to think about that. God learned. It seems like an oxymoron, but it's only oxymoron if you think that Jesus operated in his divinity while he was on earth. He didn't. Philippians is very clear about that. He laid down his divinity... And he was led by the Holy Spirit. That's why, can you go back for a second to verse 8? He had to learn obedience through the things he suffered. Whoa. Let's keep going. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest. And he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. And God designated him to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Who's this guy, Melchizedek? We only know what the Bible tells us about Melchizedek. It's in, it's in, Abraham, it's in Genesis. Abraham, Melchizedek was a king and a priest, and Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. In fact, the Bible says he's kind of like our father because he, he was made righteous through faith. That's why we could say Father Abraham, because he was the first one to be made righteous through faith. That's what Romans tells us, because he believed God and is accredited to him as righteousness. That's what we do. We believe God, and it's accredited to us as righteousness. And, and so Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, this guy called of God, he bumps into Melchizedek, this king and this priest. And what does Abraham do? He offers tithe 
to Melchizedek, and he honors Melchizedek. And so even though Abraham is like top echelon in Judaism, if you're honoring, like you, you honor above you. And so many people believe that Melchizedek represents a pre-incarnate Christ. Many people smarter than me. And so the three things I want us to get here, Jesus gets our weakness, he gets our prayers, and he gets our suffering. Why do we need a high priest? That's a question we need to answer to understand those three things. And I think it's represented very well in one verse in Matthew chapter 17. It's in verse 19. We're going to read the whole narrative. But the verse says, Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, Why couldn't we cast out the demon? I think that explains why we need a high priest like Jesus. So turn to Matthew 17, and we're going to get into it. And we're going to break down Jesus gets our weakness, he gets our prayers, and he gets our suffering. Matthew 17, starting in verse 14. Let's read it. At the foot of the mountain, so Jesus is coming down off this mountain. He literally, the one time while he was on earth, showed his divinity. He transfigured and in front of Peter, James, and John. And he literally, on top of this mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus sits there in all his glory and speaks to Elijah and Moses. And Peter, James, and John are dumbfounded, but Peter, being much like me, can't keep his mouth shut. So he doesn't know what to say, so he says something. That, that's, that's, a really, that's a fault of mine. When I don't know what to say, I'm going to say something, even though if it's wrong. But he says, what do I do? Should we build a tabernacle? Should we build shelters for you guys? And Jesus is like, just chill out, man, um, like he always does with Peter. And then he comes down off the mountain, and the other nine are at the foot of the mountain. A large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, I, I want you to see this. This man, he's a dad. What did he do? Right out the gate, he knelt before Jesus. Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into fire or into water. So I want you to see what's going on. The, the, the dad doesn't know what's going on with his son, okay? I would imagine the disciples actually don't know what's going on with the son because from, from an outward perspective to this point, the, the father seems to think it's a physical condition. He has seizures. Can you go back real quick? He has seizures and suffers terribly. So you think that, okay, this person has a medical condition. It's something, and and. And maybe the, the disciples were praying for healing, but it wasn't working, so let's keep going. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Once again, they were thinking healing. 
But this kid, and this is why it's so important to have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus has a strong word for his disciples in this moment because they didn't have a discerning heart. This is why when we pray with people, we need to discern what is the root cause of what's going on. Because they might have been praying for healing, but this kid wasn't afflicted that way. Jesus instantly knew what it was, and he addressed the root. And, and so what is Jesus? He, he said, so I brought him to your disciples, but Jesus said, you, faith, you faithless and corrupt people. Jesus doesn't say mean things. No, like, no, that can't be in the Bible. Let's just do what all the other churches are doing. Let's omit that, right? No. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. And, and I think Jesus, he's frustrated not because... He's frustrated because it's not clicking in their head. It's not clicking in their head. Like, I want you to understand the disciples have already gone out in pairs of two. They've already cast out demons by the droves. They've already healed people by the droves. This is nothing new to them. And and Jesus is saying, you faithless and corrupt people, you're not getting it. Like, there comes a point where you have to stand on your own. You can't get your hand held all the time. Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus, so this is the first time, the first time in this whole narrative that a demon's even mentioned. My son's suffering terribly. He has seizures. Your disciples couldn't heal him. What did Jesus do? Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy. Jesus led by the Holy Spirit, knew, he discerned, this is not a healing issue, this is a demonic issue. What does is, what is Jesus say in John chapter 10? The, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And honestly, quite frankly, the fact that this kid was throwing himself into fire and throwing himself into water to kill himself, the demon was trying to kill the boy. This should have been like right on I me. Mean, without even discernment, they should have just logically came to the conclusion, this is not just normal seizures. People don't just do that with seizures. Like this is demonic because the enemy is trying to kill this boy. Jesus instantly knew. And Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and it left him. From that point, moment the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, this is why we need a high priest. Why couldn't we cast out that demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I'll tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing would be impossible. Some translations include this next verse. Some don't. But, but this kind of demon won't leave except through prayer and fasting. Ironically, did you notice Jesus praying or fasting? No. Jesus isn't saying, like, when you encounter something like this, 
you need to instantly go into prayer and fasting. By that point, it's too late. Jesus lived a life of prayer and fasting, so when this moment came, he can stand in the authority that afforded him. Prayer and fasting should just be part of our life as a follower of Jesus. Jesus modeled it. And, And so, what does this have to do with him being our high priest? Let's, let's look at it. Jesus gets our weakness. Be, be, because Jesus gets our weakness. Jesus gets our weakness. Verse 19 is so powerful, powerful. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out the demon? Why couldn't we cast out the demon? The disciples, I want, I want us to hear this. The disciples went to Jesus with their shortcoming. Do you get this? Are we processing? I, I hope that you smell what I'm stepping in or picking up what I'm putting down. The disciples went to Jesus with their shortcomings, with their weakness. And Jesus told them why. What do we do with things when they don't go our way, even though we're trying to do what God asked us to do. The disciples were trying to do what God asked them to do. They were trying to do it, but it wasn't going their way. What do we normally do when we're like, I'm, God, I'm trying to do what you asked me to do, but it's not going my way. I, I, I honestly think, because I know myself, we so often resign to the results. We just kind of accept it. We resigned to it and like it just didn't go my way. But what did the disciples do when it didn't go their way? Even like they were trying to do what God asked them to do. They didn't get the results they were expecting. So what did they do? They went to Jesus. Why couldn't we do that? And, and we stop short in our walk with God. And we, we, we don't ask these questions like, well, I'll never question God. The Bible is full of people who ask God questions. They wanted to know why couldn't we? Because they've done it before. They've already cast out demons. And I believe God, and this is part of maturity. Even my kids, when, they, when I do something that they tried to do, like yesterday, my daughter got a new, brand new water bottle. And it has a little rubber sleeve thing on it. She took the sleeve off, but she couldn't get it back on. And she, I said, sis, you want me to help you with that? No, I don't want any help. Two minutes. Daddy, can you put this back on for me? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. And I put it back on. And she walked up to me. Why couldn't I put it back on? I said, sis, well, you weren't lining this up correctly. It wouldn't go on. Like I, just, I told her, it wasn't because I was getting onto her or anything like that. But this is part of our maturity. And because Jesus gets our weakness... He'll give us a solution for our weakness. Well, you might be thinking, well, this really wasn't a weakness. Like, the disciples weren't tempted to sin or anything. How is this a weakness? Well, I would say that the, the the very demons that the disciples were trying to expel 
or confront. They were in spiritual warfare, and they were literally powerless to do so, literally powerless. The demon would not leave them. They had literal no faith. Jesus said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, why couldn't we cast out the demon? You have no faith. They had no faith. Jesus told them the issue. And, and, and so those, that demon, the, the, like they, were, they were powerless. They were weak against this demon. It's the same enemy that tempts us to sin. It's, it's, it's just as demonic when you see demonic manifestation through a person. Your temptation to sin is just as demonic. I don't know if you guys realize that. Sin is just as demonic as when you see a manifestation of a demon. Oh, it can't be. Oh, no, it is. It's the same enemy. It might not look the same on the outside, but it's the same enemy on the inside. And, and, and so how is it that it, they, they brought Jesus their weakness, just like we can bring Jesus our Maybe you have been fighting a, a temptation, a struggle in your life for a long time. Ask Jesus, why can't I overcome this? Ask him. I almost guarantee, in fact, I do guarantee, if you genuinely come before Christ and ask him, why am I not overcoming this? And you steal your heart, I promise you that he will tell you. He might tell you to go to a scripture. He might tell you to have a conversation. He might straight up say, it's because of this in your life. He might say, you're not spending time with me. I, I don't know what he'll say. I don't want to put words in his, high, in, in his mouth, but it's a conversation that we need to have. Because Jesus gets our weakness. He gets it and he, he, he wants us to come to him. He didn't rebuke the disciples when they came and asked him why. Not once. He rebuked them because they couldn't do it. Because they didn't have any faith. Uh, why is that such a big deal? I want, like, why is it such a big deal? Why did Jesus rebuke them so harshly? When you really step back and look at this at a 30,000 foot view... The, third, the, the, the disciples were cowering to the power of the enemy. That's a big deal to God. Demons were snubbing their nose at the power of God in their life because they had zero faith. They weren't exercising their authority in Christ. That's a big deal because our enemy is thoroughly and completely 100% defeated by Jesus Christ. His finished work on the cross and his resurrection. So as Christians, we have authority to come at the enemy strong in his name. We don't have to cower. We don't have to be afraid. Just have faith. And Jesus said they had zero faith. That's a big deal. That's why he rebuked them so harshly. But when they came to him afterwards, why couldn't we? He told them gently. And some of us need to come to God with our weaknesses because Jesus gets it. Dude, the guy fasted water and food for 40 days. And at the end of that 40 days, the devil himself, Satan himself came and tempted Jesus. I promise you, Satan hasn't even wasted his time with any of us. And Jesus, without sin, overcame all the temptation by going to the word. But he understands what it's like to be subject to weakness. 
and yet he did not sin. He gets our weakness. So why do we need a high priest? So we can go to him. Why does this verse explain why we need a high priest? They came to Jesus with their weakness. They came to Jesus. Why Why couldn't we do this? Some of us today, when we have an opportunity later to pray, God, why am I in this pattern in my life? If we ask God that, we need to be ready for the answer. The answer wasn't sugar-coated because God loved them. He didn't say, try better next time. He said, no, you had zero faith. But I tell you the truth, this is the encouraging part. If you just have a little faith, you can move a mountain. Man, the second thing is Jesus gets our prayers. And I'm not saying like, He gets them like we get a text message or he gets them like we get mail. No, no, he gets it like he gets what it's like to struggle in prayer. He gets what it's like to go to the Father and weep. He gets what it's like to have seasons of his life in prayer and seeking after the will of God. He gets that. And because he gets that, we can go to him. What what does it say in verse 7 in Hebrews chapter 5? While Jesus was here on earth, earth he offered prayers and pleadings with loud cries and tears to the one who could rescue him from death and God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence God heard him doesn't mean Jesus got what he wanted at the end of the day Jesus wanted the will of God to take place that's why I said not my will but your will be done but Jesus's will in the garden was not to go to the cross I don't know if you realize that He's like, if there's any other way, God, this is our last chance. Because he knew what was ahead of him, but he subjected himself to the will of God. He gets it. And prayer is such a weird thing. Prayer is such a weird, weird thing because we could pray in a moment and God completely heals somebody. We prayed in a moment and tumors came out of someone a month ago or a month and a half ago. Just earlier in this service, people said, I feel better. We prayed in a moment, and God moved in people's lives. But then there's other times where you have to pray and pray and pray and plead and pray and plead and pray and then break through. I don't understand why. I'm not God. But then there's other times where you pray for the right thing with the wrong motives, and God's like, nope. Like, like you know that this is what you need to pray for, but your motives for praying that is wrong, and God's like, nope. And other times you, you pray the wrong thing with the right heart before the Lord, and God's like, yep. What? It's weird. Prayer is weird. But Jesus gets it. We have a high priest who gets it. And maybe, I believe there are some of us that have been praying for years, and, you, and, and I would say, like, you feel like your, your prayers are hitting the ceiling and falling back on you. You feel like your prayers are making no headway. First and foremost, I want to say, don't stop praying. That's the enemy. That, that's what the enemy would say. Well, just stop praying about that. God's not listening. 
Don't stop. That's the worst thing you can do. Keep praying, but maybe we should do what the disciples did. Because not only did they bring their weaknesses to Jesus, their high priest, what were they doing while Jesus was up on the mountain? They were in spiritual warfare. They were praying. The, the, the father brought their son to the other nine and said, can you heal my boy? And these guys were praying. They were doing warfare and God, and, and, and it would have seen, like they were going after it. Now let me tell you, man, when you're in warfare, it's exhausting. It is literally exhausting. I don't know what's going on. You could literally just be standing there and moving your mouth. But when you get done, you feel like you got beat. You're exhausted. When I, when, when, we, we, uh, when I encountered a demoniac downtown, I prayed with him for an hour, but I wanted to sleep for two days afterwards. I felt like I was just beat down, even though the demons came out and the guy gave his heart to Jesus, praise God, but I was exhausted because spiritual warfare is exhausting. And it's, it's, there's a reason why it's a labor. It's, 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 it's a sacrifice when we, when we plead with God. You're making headway in a realm you can't even see. Don't give up. But what did the disciples do? Why couldn't we? Why couldn't we cast out the demon? They went to Jesus with their unanswered prayers. And I believe we have opportunity here in a moment that we need to come to God and ask him, why are my prayers not being answered? Because what if I told you God wants to answer your prayers? Some of you guys, well, I don't know about that. I do. I know God wants to answer my prayers. Why do you think he said four times in three chapters, ask anything in my name and it will be done so the son can glorify the father. God wants to answer your prayers. The enemy is so deluded our prayer life in the church today that he wants us to pray weak, pathetic prayers. I was going to say castrated prayers, but I didn't think that would be appropriate. I don't care. That's, he wants us to be neutered in our prayer life. But what did the disciples do? They went to their high priest. Our high priest gets what it means to plead with the Lord. And we can come to him and say, God, why aren't you answering my prayers? What's going on? And you better be ready for the answer. Because God wants to answer your prayers. God wants to move in your situation. God loves you so much. He sent his son. He wants to. Jesus gets what it's like to plead in prayer. He gets it. And the disciples, they, they gave us this beautiful nugget. They went to Jesus with their weakness. They went to Jesus with their failed prayers and asked why. We, re, we so often, too often, resign. Oh, that's just the will of God. Says who? Says who? Ask him. Ask him first. And he might say, that's my will. Then receive it that But ask Jesus. Come to him. Because Jesus gets, our high priest gets our prayer life. Some of us need to ask Jesus why our prayers are stifled. Don't stop praying. That's the worst thing you can do. Keep praying and keep going to Jesus.
your high priest. And the last thing I want to hit on is Jesus gets our suffering. Jesus gets our suffering. This is so amazing. It says in verse 8 in Hebrews chapter 5, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. He gets what it's like to suffer for the king. He gets what it's like to, to um, do everything right, serve the Lord, and still face opposition. He gets it. That was his whole life on earth. Not one day did Jesus walk this earth and not have opposition. What did he preach? He preached God loves you, and yet they crucified him. And the same is true for us. He gets our suffering. I love, I love what's happening in Matthew 17, because at the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for him, and a man knelt before Jesus. Jesus did not once rebuke the man. He did not once rebuke the son who was demonized. He didn't once do that. He embraced him. Some of us are afraid to bring Jesus our suffering because we think we'll get rebuked. Not once in scripture. Find, find me a scripture. I dare you. Look it up. Find me a scripture where Jesus rebuked someone who was suffering. No, he embraced the suffering. He rebuked the religious. We need to be like this dad here. Come and fall at Jesus' feet with our suffering. Jesus is not going to rebuke you. And then we need to be like the disciples and ask, or we need to be like Jesus and ask, what lesson is here? Instead of complaining, honestly, I, I'm, I want to drop this on you, and you guys can crucify me later, but complaining is a language of fear. It is. When you complain, you're just embracing fear in your life. Instead of complaining about our suffering, let's ask, if Jesus, the Son of God, learned obedience through suffering, Maybe we're suffering because God is trying to teach us something that we need for the next season or for the rest of our life. And so what we need to do in those moments when we are suffering, we need to go to God and ask. Because he's our high priest. Jesus is our high priest. And we can ask him, ask him, Jesus, what lesson do you want to teach me through this suffering. I believe God wastes nothing in our life. I know God wastes nothing. In fact, Romans 8.28 says, God makes all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. All things work together. So you can't just take one moment out of your life and say, this sucks. It's bad. Because in the grand scheme of things, God's making it all work together. It's kind of like, how many of you guys like cake? I love me some chocolate cake, a good yellow cake. I got to be honest, I'm a foodie. And when I was in college and high school, this is back when I like ran all the time for basketball, I would go buy like a Betty Crocker yellow cake and make it and put powdered sugar on it and eat the whole thing in one setting. Don't judge me. 
You guys have thought about that too. I was just bold enough to do it and admit it. I love cake. But you know what I don't love is a mouthful of flour or baking soda. There's only one thing in cake that's actually good. Sugar. Like, if you want to eat it, there's only one ingredient in, in cake that's actually really good when it's, like, by itself. But, yeah, are you going to eat butter by itself? Gross. Okay, so there's some of us that, like, okay, butter, butter and sugar, okay? But baking soda, you, you put that in your mouth, uh, baking powder, put that in your mouth, uh, you know? Flour, you put that in your mouth, ooh. Instant, like, cotton mouth, and you're, like, you're not going to get that taste out of your mouth probably for, like, two years. Um, raw eggs, I don't know, go suck on a tadpole. It's probably the same thing. It's gross. It's, um, but then you put it in a bowl, all these ingredients. In fact, like, if you get real vanilla, like, real vanilla is strong. It'll burn. Like, it's like it'll straight burn your mouth. But you put all that in a bowl with sugar and mix it together and you apply some heat. It comes out as this beautiful, beautiful thing. That's Romans 8, 28. God makes all things work together for good. And, and, and some of us are suffering right now. Jesus gets it. And he's our high priest that loves you. And we can come and come to him with our suffering. And we can say, Jesus, 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 I don't want to complain, but I want to know, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to teach me through this? I believe he'll answer. When, when my mom passed away, I asked that question a lot. And I, I can tell you, I, I personally feel... Like, out of that suffering and anguish, I've never felt that, the, that, that what God was teaching me was to walk without training wheels. Like, my mom, and you guys know this. I'm not saying anything you guys don't know, but my mom was a, a prayer warrior. I could call her, and she would just have a, like, Mom, I need prayer. And she's like, boom. She, like, she was so in tune to the Holy Spirit, like, when I think of a person that walked in, in intimacy with the Holy Spirit, I think of my mom. And I knew that if I called her, she would, she would just like, she just listened. And when my mom passed away, I was like, God, what am I going to do? And God's like, I want that for you. It's time to take these training wheels off. This is a lesson for you to learn my voice. You learn my voice. Like, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't think any of us are ready. But that's why he empowers us. You might say, well, I feel so weak. I think that's a good place to be. Because the Bible says when we are weak, then we are strong. We so often misquote it. And, and the misquote is when we are weak, then he is strong. That's not what it says. It says when we are weak, then we are strong. Why? Because God's grace is sufficient for us. And his power is made perfect in what? Our weakness. So if you're suffering, if, you, if, you, if your prayers are just 
hitting the ceiling and falling back down. If if if, if you have some weakness, let's let's. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do something we haven't done in a while. We're gonna have some old-fashioned altar calls. I'm gonna have this up right up here open. I use it all the time. When you guys aren't in here, I'm always kneeling at this. It kneels very well. And I think some of us need to ask some questions today. Jesus, Jesus, how do I overcome this weakness? Some of us need to ask the question, Jesus, why are my prayers being stifled? Like the disciples went to Jesus. Some of us need to ask, what lesson are you teaching me in my weakness today? And maybe you're here today and, and you haven't been living for Jesus and you, or you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. It's so simple to do. The question you need to ask God is, Jesus, come be Lord and Savior. I ask you to be my Savior. And he will come right in. It's the prerequisites. He makes it so simple. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died on the cross and you rose again. If that's you today and you need to ask Jesus in your life or you need to recommit your life to Jesus, I'm going to be right up here. I want you to pray with me. My wife will be right up here. And we would love to introduce you or reintroduce you to Jesus. He loves you. He cares for you so much. He wants you to come to him. And the rest of us, man, the, the, the front is open. I'll move my table back so you can have more room. Maybe you want to kneel at your seat, but let's ask God some questions. I know some of us are suffering, and we need to ask God, what lesson do you want to teach me through this? I know some of us are struggling in our prayers. We need to ask God, why? I know some of us are facing some weaknesses. We need to bring them to Jesus. Jesus.